0: Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim.
1: Fantastic to see everyone with us again here today for another Mm -hmm. Wheel of Time episode as we go through three chapters here today. Before we start talking about that goodness, Zach, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm a little older, which,
0: oh, but you know that happens. Yeah, you just had a birthday. Yay! I'm here. I'm ready. I've got Rolly by my side, ready to chomp on things. It'll be a good day. How are you doing, Dad? I'm
1: doing well. Yeah, it's not my birthday. I'm still older. You know, that's the funny thing about birthdays. Every day you're a day older. Mm -hmm. You just happen to celebrate it once a year. Are those your new headphones or your old headphones?
0: No, these are the old ones. They'll be staying in here. The new ones are going to be out for uh, gaming purposes.
1: Oh, okay. So now you have specially designated headphones.
0: I don't have to keep (laughs) switching them back and forth, yes.
1: Okay. Today for me, we're we're recording really early Mm. compared to usual. It's just how things worked into this holiday weekend that we're on here and other plans. Like later today, your mother and I are going out to a winery and doing painting. Painting and wine. What could go wrong? She wanted to go. And no one else wanted to go with
0: her or could go with her, so I'm her date. (laughs) And I will paint and drink wine. Yeah, both those things. One of those you'll enjoy more than the other. Right. But because of the earliness of the day for this recording, I'm not drinking wine
1: now. I'm drinking coffee. That is my drink of the episode, coffee. That's fair.
0: I'm nursing a little bit of a headache, so I'm laying off the booze at this earlier hour. Just drinking a soda.
1: Wow. Will this be our first ever episode where neither of us is drinking something that could Don't impair? I think so. i sure
0: last time it happened, we made a big deal of it. It was our first so it like, might be sober the second episode, time. but it's, it's not very common.
1: Okay. Notes, other things to share. You know, there's just a couple of little things. One, we are about to kick off our September Tri Reader tournament. There's still a chance this weekend for people to turn in entries. But by the time people are hearing or watching this, it's probably mm-hmm. too late and we're already underway. That's fair. We decided to focus on horror ah. this time. Yeah. Because, you know, October's coming. It's September. Close enough. So top horror novels people have read. Not series. It had to be specific books. we got quite a selection of scary stuff. So that's fun. Uh, we're going to enjoy that here as we work through September. And I didn't write anything else down. So I don't think we'll talk about any more notes than that. How's that? Should we just get into the content?
0: Let's do this. What are we talking about today? Sorry, what are we talking about today?
1: Nice. Yeah, The Shadow Rising, three chapters, 48, 49, and 50. We are getting towards the tail end of this book because it doesn't go to 60. It -hmm. ends in the 50s. Oh, that is one thing I can throw in here, though. We do have confirmation of who's going to join us for our celebration episode at the end of the book. Woo! Yeah, now, you know, it's two months away before we record that because we don't do these every weekend anymore. So we've got it planned out. But we're going to have our friends from Threefold Talk,
0: mm-hmm. uh, the
1: YouTube show. They're all going to come on in and join us for that episode. It's going to be a blast. And, you know, that's a bunch of maidens and and one and wetlander rob what a great great yeah but i can't talk now english is hard see that's what coffee will do for a person can't talk anyways bunch of maidens of the spear great group to have in when we're talking about the shadow rising and celebrating finishing the book so that's fun to look forward to in a couple of months but we got to get through these chapters if we're ever going to get there chapter 48 we begin it's called an offer refused and it returns us to Rand and all the folk with him still traveling through the iO waste. and it's been a long time since we were with Rand. I didn't go back and look at how many chapters. It's been like four or five. it's uh, something. Remind us, Zach why or what Rand and all these ideal Aiel he's
0: traveling with? Where are they headed? What's the traveling about? Let's see. We last had seen them. They finished off in Ruidian. And they're coming back from there, but back to where? I believe their current destination is Cold Rock's Hole.
1: Yes, home of Ruark. Beyond that, their plan is to get to Alkerdal, which is a a gathering speech amphitheater place. And all of the clans have been called in to meet there Mm -hmm. so there can be the grand reveal. Look, the Karakarn has run. Yeah, but timing matters. So they're not just heading straight there. Like you said, they're heading to Ruark's home for a little hangout time. A little stall. Give everybody a chance to get to All Care Doll. We'll talk more about that coming up. But as this chapter opens up, we're in Rand's POV and he's mm-hmm. riding on his horse. Of course, most Aiel aren't. We see Matt's on a horse. Ran's on a horse. But Avienda is with him. Not on the horse. She's walking alongside. And what we get to see right away is her berating rand for looking at a sendry who the heck is a sendry remind us
0: well she's one of those people off with the merchants that they ran into recently most notably she's this stupidly attractive one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's easy to to watch
1: her and avienda's like stop it is that the kind of woman you like no you're you're for elaine you're elaine's stop looking at that thing
0: that thing she's really diligent." Yes. She's, what, what, what? What's so funny? Referring to someone as a thing is always weird. That's kind of how
1: Avienda thinks about it though. She's not even a woman worth her time or attention. And certainly not Rand's. He should be focusing on Elaine. She seems really diligent about this. Why? Why is she so vehement that Rand quit looking at a and remember Elaine? Should I
0: give the reason that we know up until now or the reason that I think. Give the reason we know up until now. That seems fair with our spoiler light. She made a promise. She made a promise to watch Rand and that Elaine was his. More importantly, he belongs to Elaine. Mm -hmm. So none of that funny business anywhere else. And
1: remember when the Wise Ones gave her the instruction to stay close to Rand, teach Rand. She didn't want to do it. And the way she was somewhat convinced by Egwene to give in was this was a way she could help keep her promise to Elaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's really hunkered down on that. That's that's the deal and keeps beating that drum. Uh, we get further insight when Avienda mutters some inner thoughts aloud then that I, Rand misunderstands it, but I think they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. When she says, her ways shock her. She could not accept them. Why should I care if she can't? I want no part of this. It cannot be. If I could, I would take you guys, Shane, and give you to Elaine. I can't say why that's funny. Nope. (laughs) I mean, we know, but just remember that she's talking like this. Rand totally thinks she's talking about Essendry. She's not at this point. She's thinking something else. So if you figured out what that means, good on you. If not, well, you'll get it eventually. As they continue to travel along, Avienda continues to answer Rand's questions, uh, trying to bring him up to speed on Aiel customs, manners, ways. But she's a bit of a terrible teacher. I mean, she has no patience for what she considers his ignorance. You know, everyone knows this. Everyone should know this. It's No, I, I don't know. I'm not Aiel. Nope. One thing that comes up particularly puzzles Rand. Uh, he's learned that Avienda did not go through the glass columns in Ruidian, and he had thought she did, and that's why she hates him or or dislikes him or whatever, why she's angry at him, because she would have seen the history of
0: the yeah, Aiel she, and She would know why and how he's going to break them yes. in some way and all that mess, and no, she doesn't know any of that. That
1: would make sense to him then, Yeah. He's learned she will go through those glass columns eventually on a second visit to Ruidian, because that's the wise one's thing. They go do something else the first time so that they may apprentice to be a wise one. And then they go through the second time when they are graduating. Yay. But so she hasn't seen that. Why the heck does she hate him? He he hasn't figured this out now. This is a mystery, a puzzle. And will he ever? Well, let's read on. The ongoing conversations between the two of them, even though tempestuous, my word of the day, and from Rand's perspective that they're a blatant attempt by the wise ones to ferret out his attentions, you know, she's a spy, he still finds them fairly pleasant. I mean, they're a clear distraction from the journey, the tedium Mm -hmm. of just on and on and on through the Ayo Waste, as well as helping him not focus as much on The concerns that await him when he arrives at El Kildal and has to figure out what his next move will be. The other thing Rand enjoys is that Avienda appears to just see him as Rand
0: Althor. Yeah, there's no reverence. There's no, he's the Karkarn or he's a king or the Dragon Reborn. It's like, no, just like Egwene and Eve, Matt, these people see him for who he was. Avienda just sees him for a stinking wetlander. Right, and he... He finds it refreshing uh really
1: nice now of course he's actually an idiot in this Mm -hmm. but we'll leave that for now rand does reflect on how much better being with avienda is than being with elaine this was interesting because it's nice he knows avienda hates him okay and he gets it and she's just says what she thinks fine elaine confuses the heck out of him she loves him she doesn't love
0: him what yeah i mean for a long time She didn't confuse the heck out of him, And then she sent two letters and that's all he can think about. Right. Just a woman who would be consistent in what she means. That's, that's all he really wants. He thinks
1: the best women uh, in his experience, the best one, the only one he really doesn't get all tripped up by and confused by is men. It'd be nice if all women could be like men.
0: It's kind of what he's thinking. It'd be nice if all women were like allowed to wear pants and it wasn't seen as weird. (laughs) At this point is his thoughts.
1: He actually wishes he could just get women out of his head completely, though. Uh, Good luck with that. Full-blooded male as he is. Especially as he glances again at Ascendry just in time to see her flirting at him. Is that necessary? It's kind of what she is. What she does, I guess. Yeah. At this point, they've been traveling, we learn, for 12 days. This is the 12th day on the road from Ruidian. And... Rand reflects on a few of the things, again, his POV, so his mental reflection on things that have happened during those days. One is that Moraine, she's been spending her time kind of divided between the Wise Ones and Rand. And it's kind of a relief when she goes and hangs out with the Wise Ones. Because when she's with him, she's like badgering him, trying to bully him into revealing his intentions. What are you going to do? What's your plan? What are you thinking, Rand? And, He's, a he's not saying partner. much
0: anything about it.
1: No, so she always leaves frustrated again, and Avienda's looking at him like, "Are you an idiot? Why are you ticking off an Sedai? You don't do that with Aes Sedai. And he's like, "I, I, do but Avienda, I
0: it's fun."
1: Ah, I'm not sure that's true. He doesn't seem to have much fun around Moraine. Her nickname for him is "More Pain," I think. Mm. More Pain. Mm. Now, Egwene, Rand observes, has been hanging out with the Wise Ones pretty much nonstop. But not in the same way that Moraine does. I mean, no. he has finally discerned at this point that Egwene has been completely still uh, faking it as full Aes Sedai. You know, so, okay, they, the, the Aiel, think she's Aes Sedai. But they don't treat her with the reverence they treat Moraine. In fact, they seem to bully her, shout at her, mistreat her, even had made her wear those pigtails we learned in the last time we were with them. Mm-hmm. But on the tenth day, something changes. He doesn't know what's going on, but he sees it. They they let her take the pigtails out, and then there's a moment where she's like happy, and then she's hugging with the wise ones. And it's like, um, what was that? There's something going on there, and nobody's telling me. He literally yeah. asks Avienda, "What just happened?" And she starts to answer, and then literally, none your business. <laughs> It says, if you want to find out, you go ask the Wise Ones and let them tear your head off for you. Go ahead.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think he's fine. I think he can do with not knowing this one.
1: Now, Zach, what do we know happened? We know enough information from what we've seen through Egwene's point of view that as a reader, even a first-time reader, you ought to be able to figure out what just happened. What can you say?
0: I mean, at a bare minimum, the Aiel Wise Ones are seeing in Egwene a certain level of learning, maturity, and respect. Yes. Both for them and that they now have for her. They no longer see her as just this child running off to do things. and She's still, to a certain extent, a child inexperienced, needing to be taught, but being able to be taught, whereas she had been forced to wear those braids for, quote-unquote, acting childish. Mm Mm-hmm. Rand does not know all of that, but he does see
1: one thing in the body language that he's watching. He sees Egwene at one point when they're talking to her being meek, you know, head down, subservient. But he knows Egwene and he's like, she is so faking that. Yeah. That ad is not genuine. They, they're they probably being buffaloed, but I know Egwene. Nah. So she's at least gotten good enough at faking it. Yes. The wise ones seem to pay Rand no attention on the traveling, but that surprises him very little. After all, he believes Avienda is doing all their spying. and he's right. So they don't need to pay him attention. Mm -hmm. Other events along the traveling that take place, the Aiel in general seem to slowly be warming up to Rand. Not exactly chummy, but they seem to be accepting him more and more. Uh, Lan and Ruark had started something before in the previous chapters we'd read. Mm-hmm. And every evening
0: that continues. What is it that they were doing with him? They're training. Training with hand-to-hand, sword, and spear. Yes. Rand is learning more and more of all of the ways to kill.
1: Yep. <laughs> so they get a great workout every evening. The peddler, Kadir, he takes a number of times to come over and speak to Rand. Um... And he can see, as when he looks at Kadir, this this guy's got stuff going on. There's things in his eyes where he's not saying everything he's meaning, but he clearly wants something out of Rand. Uh, Maybe he wants to sell some information. Maybe he's trying to get some protection. He's not sure what's going on here. Mm -hmm. But he has figured one thing out, that there seems to be some tension between Kadir and Kylie, the other peddler. And Kadir doesn't seem completely comfortable with Kylie. No. Speaking of Kylie, it's noted again that she moves extremely lightly for a woman so grossly obese. And she's mm. a big woman, it's described many times, and yet seems so light at her feet. I wonder how. And Robert Jordan keeps mentioning that, so there must be some significance there. Let's remember he that. He it. hmm Though my first time reading it, it went right over my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The gleeman, Jason Natal, seems to want to get on Rand's good side. For some reason, he keeps speaking of writing the epic of Rand's experience and wanting to talk about everything Rand is doing and and wants to, you know, really shower him with praise on how great he'll make him look eventually. But Rand feels like the things he talks about and how he draws in prophecies about the dragon and stuff, Natal isn't saying everything he's really thinking. He's getting Mm -hmm. a sense of double speak out of Natal, and, and he doesn't feel comfortable with him. It also strikes him that the Gleeman feels very highly of himself. Now, we know another
0: Gleeman, Tom Marilyn. Mm-hmm. It's not out of character for Gleeman to feel very highly of themselves. No, but let's take a step back. Do we know of another Gleeman, or do we know Tom Marilyn? He was more than a Gleeman, is that what you're implying? He has reasons to think highly of
1: himself. Ah, well, somehow Natal has reasons to think highly of himself, too, because... He conducts himself as if he's on the same level as Ruark, as Moraine, as, you know, the most important people in camp. And he's just as important as all of them. So he at least thinks so. Yes. After a while, though, he stops spending time with Rand. He's not getting much reaction from him. Stops hanging out with the Jindo Aiel, the group that's traveling with Rand, and starts going over to the Shido camp and spends most of his evenings over there, even though he comes back and he travels with the peddlers. He says, they've got the bigger audience. It just makes sense. That's where my skills should be put to use. Avienda, she doesn't stay by Rand's side all the time. Mm. She's there most of the time. But over these days, there are moments where she's off training with the wise ones. Uh, There's mention of a time where suddenly in the midst of traveling along, there's a big fireball. And all the wise ones are excited and Yay. celebrating, patting end on the back, and good job. And he's like, oh, they're teaching her to channel. Got it. Okay. His thought with there is also a bit of frustration because, gee, wouldn't that be nice? Well,
0: Someone to teach me nice. to channel. If they could teach
1: me. Yeah. Matt, he doesn't see much about, he's kind of keeping to himself ever since they left Ruidian. Like he's, uh, I don't know. Somewhat screwed up, disturbed still.
0: I mean, he's got good reason. Perhaps we could say that.
1: There's a weird situation that takes place one day, resulting from one thing Matt does put his attention to, and that's pursuing a century She may have been flirting with Rand, but she doesn't exactly deter Matt and his attentions either. Mm-hmm. Rather, she leads him on. And we get one day when he plucks a flower for her, only to find it's a waste type of flower that has nasty thorns and totally screws up his hand it's like i'm picturing dripping a stream of blood from trying to pick this flower and moraine is you know oh my goodness let me heal that And he's like no 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 he will not even though he's clearly in pain he can barely hold the reins of the horse for the rest of the day he will not let moraine heal him he's got this thing about not wanting aesidai power to touch him anymore but that's almost a tangent from where I was going here, <laughs> because it's about pursuing a sendry. And one day, it's like he's finally had success, and she's offering a kiss. But before he can go in and seal the deal, Kylie walks up and offers to sell a sendry to Matt.
0: Excuse me? Kylie's uh, apparently always there for a good deal. Already sold uh, Kadir's hat. <laughs> right right it's an opportunity i'll sell that to you and now it's like oh her yeah i'll sell her to
1: you now kai uh asendry is insulted you're basically calling me a
0: prostitute that you can just sell my attention Uh, you know what and honestly prostitution is probably the best spit on that
1: Mm. and they go at it a little tensely for a bit there kylie comes out on top of the conversation asendry ends up slinking away but in the midst of that, there's an odd comment that first-time readers would usually miss. Mm-hmm. See, when Kylie offers a century to Matt for some coin, he declines. When a moved on, Kylie cautions Matt about turning down her offer. Says, that is not something people usually do. And certainly not twice. And then she speaks to Rand to solicit his, solicit his agreement that, he should also be able to speak to the danger of a woman scorned. The implication here is that Matt has turned Kylie down twice. But what? Matt and Kylie haven't had any interactions before this, really. I mean, she told him the hat. But he didn't turn it down. He took not the hat. There's something going on there that when you know, it makes sense. Until then, it's a mystery. We just needed to highlight it for first-time readers. The chapter ends as they come through the end of the twelfth day with Ruark trotting over to Rand to announce, We've arrived! It's Cold Rocks Hold! Which is also the name of the next chapter, number 49. Woo! So let's move right into it. Now Rand is perplexed because he's looking around going, Where? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing here. It's There's still just i Waste. There's
0: there, bud. do <laughs> yeah, see? See those cold rocks, right? Hold on they're to them real in- fast. You'll find it.
1: <laughs> there is a rock formation up ahead. It looks like no village, though, no town, just more rocks. But it's clearly where they're headed, about a mile off. As they do move forward, he's going to learn, yeah, this this cave, this, uh, not cave, this uh, structure, rock formation has a big crevasse in the center. And you walk on in, and it's all terraced all the way up the sides. And it's a full village of Aiel. There's crops being grown, there's children, there's chickens running around, there's old folk, there's all sorts of people here. And there's water. Mm-hmm. It, it's, this is what a town in the
0: Iowa waste looks like. But from the outside, you don't see anything. I like that it's called Cold Rock's Hold because it does reminisce a little with Pern and they're more yes. rock living. I like that. And Pern predates this by
1: quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It might have been a partial inspiration. A lot of people think Dune inspired I a, think lot for a lot Robert of what Robert Jordan did. And the Fremen certainly had a
0: similar style for sure. of living. Yeah, it's chicken, egg, which one's come first? It's still a fun similarity to kind of throw it out there and be like, <laughs> I like it.
1: Yeah, totally. Rand finally, as they're going this last mile, convinces Avienda to do something she's not done up till this point. To get up on the horse with him. If she doesn't want to, he's like... Listen to the buzz. Everyone's excited that we're getting here. It's getting noisier and noisier. If you stay down there, I'm not going to be able to hear anything you think I need to know. I might do something stupid, and you can't stop me because I can't hear you.
0: And that's enough for her because she knows he's going to do something stupid.
1: (laughs) Right? And then he also points out, you know, other wise ones have been riding at times. You're not breaking a rule. Like when they're talking to Moraine, a wise one will be on the horse with Moraine. So come on. And so, yes, she agrees, he hauls her up, she's not happy, and in fact, she feels very uncomfortable, so she wraps her arms around Rand from behind to hang on, which I don't think he entirely disliked. No, not too much. A few things are learned on the following pages. Rand is still dressing normal. The only aiel clothing that he's adopted is what? The shufa wrapped around his head. And that makes sense. I mean, the, what does the shufa do? It's not just a style uh, accessory. Keeps you a little cooler. Protects you against sunburn. These things that are very important. Remember, Rand's a ginger. Gingers burn. That's what I hear. That's what I've seen sometimes. <laughs> so protect that head, indeed. But now, as he's approaching the hold, Avienda reaches forward and pulls his shufa down around his shoulders, completely off the top of his head. He's like, what? And she's like, I told you this one already. Do you not listen to anything I say? When you approach a hold, everyone bears their head. So they're easily identifiable. That's a custom. That's a tradition. So you can be seen as friend and not foe. Kuladin has run up alongside the Jindo as they're approaching Cold Rock's hold. Not the rest of the Shido. They've like held off. But Kuladin has come forward. And he looks up at Rand and Rand sees the usual hate and contempt, but mm-hmm. also something different in his eyes, almost like amusement. What is that about? We don't know because it's Rand's POV, but it strikes him as odd. coolidan's laughing on the inside now? What? Matt comes up along Rand, too, also kind of going, wow, this, this is different. Uh, he makes a comment on how supremely defensible this place would be. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that we're going to continue to see with Matt. That when he looks at things these days, it's striking him how how you would fight a battle around it. More and more military-minded. Yes, he's got this mindset now. We keep being reminded. Arriving finally inside, Rand is amazed at this whole town that's revealed now. And all the people, all the energy. Even a whole bunch of Guy Shane. Remind
0: us what a Guy Shane is again? It's... Someone who, after losing honor in battle in some specific ways, is reclaiming that with a year and a day of service. Yes, not a slave, not really a servant. Exactly, choosing it to do. It's this. a choice, but not an intentional, willing choice. It's a choice based on previous action
1: and how they reclaim their honor. It's all a
0: bit overwhelming. Everything he's yep. seeing. Yeah, uh,
1: Zach, do you see where we are in the notes? Uh, I do. Because so, I need a if, drink of my coffee.
0: Yeah. They finally come to a stop uh, as they approach the far wall of this canyon. And wise one Amis, Ruerk's wife, we've met her. We know where She's been training Egwene and stuff. She ran up ahead of the group as they approached this hold. She just like darted out there. And now she's up there at, at this rocky outcropping with this other woman dressed similarly. And we know who this is. It's explained, and we have heard. It's names are hard. I'm going to butcher it, even though it's simple. Can we say Leanne on this one or Leon? I just do Leanne. Leanne? I like Leanne. Cool. I don't know. Who is Leanne, Zach? She's the mistress of Cold Rock's Hold. Uh, Sister wife of Amis, ergo other wife of Ruark as well. Although that's not revealed yet here, but that's coming very entertainingly in
1: just a moment. So we do know that if we've thought this through, but Rand doesn't. So at this point, we see a formal ceremony that takes place where the leaders of the various A'il groups that are arriving here are going to request permission to enter this place. The roof mistress is in charge of the hold, so no one gets to come in unless she grants permission. Mm-hmm. Ruark asks permission, which Rand observes she grants with perhaps more warmth and affection that might be typical of a ceremony. So there's kind of that hint. But Rand is thinking, oh yeah, that's Amisa's sister wife, so she must get along really well with Ruark also. He clearly doesn't understand the term (laughs) sister wife. No. Hirn also requests admittance. He's the sept chief of the Jindo sept, Uh, Vail here. He's not a clan chief like Ruark, but he is a, it's like a a sub-chief. Okay? So he also requests permission to be here and is granted it. But then Kooladin steps forward and asks leave to enter the hold. And there's an instant murmur and buzz. Something just
0: happened that isn't supposed to happen. What's up with this, Zach? Kooladin is making this request as if if he's a chief. More importantly, as if he's clan chief even and he's, and he's none not. of the above
1: mm-hmm. so this leaves her Leon in a tricky situation because by rights she should deny this request because he had no right to ask it not that way but if she does that could cause trouble there's a whole bunch of Shido right outside mm-hmm. we don't want to offend the Shido, cause problems now lean is a smart cookie she resolves this slickly she welcomes kool using the proper
0: ceremonial forms of what you'd say to a holdless beggar. It is horribly insulting, and yet not outright insulting his request. Right. She's saying, yes, you are allowed in, but there's no
1: acknowledgement that he's a leader at all. So she's insulting him, but not casting any shade on the Shido. Totally separate matter. It's brilliant leaves cool and furious but he has been outmaneuvered in front of everybody so nothing he can do about it oh hi roly see you there
0: yeah he got a little squeaker out of one of his toys and is now just playing around with the squeaker got it we'll see if we hear it at any point
1: now it's rand's turn and he shakes it up a tad with this ceremony avienda's like get off the horse do the thing <laughs> he ignores avienda's full advice he does get down But to fully appreciate what he actually does, I just need to back a moment and make sure we've analyzed a little more carefully what's been said. Ruark used these words. I ask leave to enter your hold. Hyern said, I ask leave to come beneath your roof. Different phrasing. Mm -hmm. These are intentional. Ruark's phrasing is what's appropriate for a clan chief. Hyern, as only a sept chief, is not worthy to use that phrasing. He's not high enough up. So he used what's a lesser request, just to be beneath your roof. But kuladin used Ruark's words. That's where nope, uh-uh, ain't supposed to do that. So Rand, as the Karakarn, the chief of chiefs, he has much honor. Yet he walks forward and uses the lower phrase Hirn had used. And that's intentional on Rand's part. He's choosing humility rather than to claim privilege. But it causes eyebrows to raise. They all know who he is. It's like, really? That's not what you should have said. Avienda's in, you can just picture it. She's behind him going, mm-hmm. You know nothing, Randall Thor. But Lian, again, uses that as a way to insult Kooladin more. Yes. She praises his modesty, something not often seen uh, amongst Ayu men and could perhaps be seen a little more, you know. <laughs> And then warmly welcomes Rand in. And there is great rejoicing. <laughs> I think it says eulalation. You know what eulalation sounds like? Eulalation? No, eulalation. Eulalation. What the hell? What? Eulalation. <laughs> that's kind of like eulalation. Oh, that's right. You have a headache. Sorry. <laughs> i also got a begging dog right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this great rejoicing, except for Koolidin, who just stalks off in a huff. Seeing him stalk off, Matt leans over to Rand. You might want to keep an eye on that one. I mean, really? Watch him? Rand's like, I know. That's what everyone says. With the formalities done, now Rand and Matt get a bit of a shock, because Ruark brings both Leon and Amis over, arm around each one, and he's eager to introduce them to his second wife. Matt's flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. And I loved his comment. Would you read his actual
0: yeah. phrase? This is great. He says, Either he is the luckiest man in the world or the biggest fool since creation. <laughs> I mean, they're both beautiful women.
1: So, luckiest man in the world? But now you have two wives, and Matt has an opinion of what it means to be strapped down to a wife. So, yeah, funny. miss. Chides Avienda though when she sees that Rand is like surprised. It's like, have you not taught him anything? Well, and Avienda's this didn't think it'd be relevant. Right. I had a. He's she she literally a says, "I had more important things to teach than marriage practices." But Rand comes to her defense. Says Avienda has been doing doing well. Any mistakes are my own. Now that's really generous because she has sucked as a teacher. Yeah. But he does not throw her under the bus. And in fact, and he doesn't even know why he says this, the next thing out of his mouth is, and I would like to have her continue teaching me. Amis, she's like, well, I I think that that could be arranged. It'd be acceptable. Avienda is probably going. "Mm." They are led then to the actual living area of Lian, Amis, and Ruark. Rand demonstrates he has been paying attention. He actually smiles a little at Avienda as he pulls out a guest gift for Ah, As does Matt. Now, where have we seen this practice already, Zach? We saw this
0: when Perrin came back to the two rivers in Emmons field. Not from Perrin, but from Bane, Chiad, and uh, Gaul. All coming back to Mistress Alvier's place yeah as they all pulled out things they'd clearly stolen in tear yeah and that could have bought the entire village three times over
1: right right so it's a tradition a guest gift rand is ready for it and even matt had something he could pull out a necklace that he was able to give and leon she she warmly accepts the gifts fawns over them a bit as a good hostess ought to do Rand notes as he's looking around this place that, you know, as austere as the IULR, very drab, very natural colors, not so in the home. It's Ooh. a pretty bright, colorful, full of stuff kind of place. Moraine arrives just a little bit later then with the other wise ones and Lan and Egwene. And Moraine also offers a guest gift. But Leanne is like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, to, you are honor enough to be here in my house. I I would dishonor my household if I accepted a gift from you. No, no, please just come be welcome. So clearly has a high feel for the Aes Sedai. And it's also a reminder, she is not a wise one. She hasn't gone through any glass columns. She knows nothing about the past. Other than, you know, we failed the the Aes Sedai at one point and and we must never do so again. So that kind of colors her reaction, I think. Yeah. Everyone makes themselves comfortable with a flurry of guy Shane moving about, taking their things, serving them food and beverages. Matt struggles a little bit with the comfort part because there's no chairs. They're all sitting on cushions on the floor. Have you ever actually done that? Tried to enjoy a meal on cushions?
0: Yes. Yeah, me too. I
1: don't find it comfortable. It's not too
0: bad. Depends on the setup a little bit. Like I don't have great knees. So if I'm lying in a way that my knees are on a cushion, but are instead on the floor Bits Sometimes it can be not great, but not, it's pretty good. Okay. I don't have good knees either, so that might be where you got it from.
1: And in fact, uh, a segue moment here. You know, there are some ways, positions, things we can do with the body that just don't always feel so comfortable. So, like, I want a good chair. I don't want to sit on cushions. I did a couple of things this past week uh, that were not the normal things I do with my body either. What you do was
0: not comfortable then. These were good things I did though. You remember our kitchen faucet that was broken? No, I remember it. Uh, I remember mom just sending me a picture and going, hey, do either of you guys remember how this was broken? And Melissa and I both going, no. Oh, <laughs> so it broke after you moved out. Okay. Yeah. Well, I finally
1: replaced it this week all by myself. I looked up a YouTube video on how to replace a kitchen faucet. And it was a good thing. Cause then I went and bought a kitchen faucet And open it up and the directions inside were for the wrong model of faucet. Ooh, that's not great. So I changed it purely on what I learned from the YouTube video. Well, thank goodness for YouTube. It worked brilliantly. Everything's good. It has not
0: broken again yet.
1: No, it's it's beautiful. But by the time I got done, uh, I turned the faucet on and nothing happened. And of course, since I'm not a plumber, this is my worst nightmare. I've done all this work. Everything's done and it doesn't work. What did I do wrong? Well, what I did wrong was I failed to turn the water back on properly. Yeah. When I figured that out, the faucet worked brilliantly. But to change a kitchen faucet, you're on your back, underneath the sink, and having to get in and out a number of times. And that is not a comfortable position for a person. Not really. Reaching way up behind the sink, you know, and arms were sore shoulder neck I had a bunch of bruises in the back of my head I don't even How remember many times banging did you it hit your head I don't remember I I've had a little mark right here I don't think you can see it anymore oh yeah there it is a little bit a little scab where apparently I clunked it on a pipe yeah okay that was a tangent but the other other thing I also did that gave me sore arms is I put outside lights up this was nice. on our uh, Twitter channel I put it on. All around the uh, outside back deck. Oh, hey, Roly. Roly's getting on the podcast. I, think I did I hear a squeaky
0: toy. For him. Him. He, moved, he moved the squeaky toy into the closet. <laughs> all right,
1: so first we tangent with uh, home improvement. Now we tangent uh-huh. with pet care. That
0: for you?
1: <laughs> well, let's Put get out of his this. own reach. Yeah, let's get back to this then. Awkward seating. Matt doesn't like it rand actually isn't real comfortable either but he manages with much better grace and that's about the only thing that goes well for rand during this meal because avienda takes out her irritation at rand throughout this meal oh you want me to still be your teacher fine and she teaches him and guides him on every last little detail of how to hold the fork what that seasoning is The proper way to address people. I mean, everything. She's like this constant buzz in his ear the entire meal. And down to the teeniest detail. It's clear she's doing this to annoy him now. Yeah. There's one thing she won't talk to him about, though, that he actually wanted more information on. The sister wives thing? Nope, she won't talk about that. She treats him like an idiot that he doesn't know about that already. And it's not worth her attention. He eventually speaks up directly to her, saying, you know... I'm sorry if I irritated you by complimenting your teaching and and asking if you could continue to do it. I I didn't mean to offend. If it bothers you this much, I'll talk to the wise ones and get you out of it. It's it's fine. And she has an interesting reaction to that. She's like, it's not about what you've done to me. And you'll never do anything to me. Wait, what? (laughs) Again, that's a loaded comment Mm -hmm. that means a lot. After you've read this first time, just remember, there's something going on in Avienda's head that we don't know yet. And it's where these impacts are coming from. But Rand, okay, he can't do anything to change Avienda's attitude, and she is just merciless here. So his thoughts finally goes to something else he could try. Bribery. If just talking to her nice or trying to offer to change things won't work, maybe he can get her a gift. Because he's seen. He's learned. Gift-giving is big in Aeo culture, so maybe he can bribe her back to happiness by getting her something nice and shiny. I'm sure that'll work out well for you, Rand. He's gonna give it some thought, see what he can figure out. The meal ends, the guy Shane clear everything away and leave them alone in the room now. It's time for discussion regarding some next steps. And Ruark, he shares he's learned here now that the some of the Aeo clans responded very quickly to the summons through the wise ones to gather our cared doll. And they're already there. Rand's like, well, I mean, that's great. Uh, I should get going then. Right. And they're like, no, 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 That, that wouldn't be a good idea because they're not all there. Yeah, some of them are there. If you arrive and make your announcement before they're all there, that will dishonor those who didn't make it yet. Like they weren't worthy for you to wait. So instead, we need to give enough time to be sure all the clans have been able to gather, and then you'll have your grand arrival. We figure it'll be probably about a month. So the plan is we stay here. You're our guest for the next month. And then it's just three to four days to like it all from here. A month? Yeah. And why why does
0: time matter so much to him? Why is it so critical? Because to him, he's on a clock. He's racing against everyone else who has all these schemes and plans for him. He's racing Forsaken. to stay ahead of the Forsaken's plans. Stay out of the tower's grip. Stay away mm-hmm. from the various lords before they figure out what's going on. He needs and to who, get these And who guns. even knows how much Hopefully. time before
1: the last battle arrives.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So he's like, ah. But that's
1: the plan. We're going to wait a month. It's also brought up, Moraine actually raises the question, you know, how many of the Aiel may resist Rand's claim to be Karkarn? I mean, the Shido clearly have. I got to take care of the puppy again. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the shadow have resisted. Will others, will Ran not be accepted? Because again, they look at him. He's not aiel, and he doesn't fit what their image of this prophecy should be. And Ruark's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many will. I, I'm certain a number of the bands, like our, our clan, we accept. A number of the others, I'm sure, will accept Rand as the Karakarn. And then he looks at him again and says, you know, are you sure you won't reconsider dressing like Aiel? You know, we could make you look a little less offensive to the eyes. And Rand refuses. Why? I mean, it's not unreasonable to say, you know, maybe you can sway some of those people on the fence if you take on a little bit more of the Aiel ways. Why won't Rand do
0: that? Because he doesn't want to just play Aiel he's not Aiel if he's anything he picks up from Aiel things are things that he wants to be able to internalize to make real but if he's just putting on these airs that's not going to win them over to his side and it's certainly not going to be authentic yeah yeah he wants to be truly himself all right we have a schedule thing
1: coming up here now with us I think we're going to have to make a, a shift Um How much more do we have on this chapter like a paragraph oh wow i lost track of my notes right now (laughs) where am i (laughs) oh there it is okay yes all right let's finish this chapter real quick here uh moraine irritatingly takes this moment then to interject a question at rand and it reminds him of how God dang it, she's always listening, waiting for an opportunity to trip me up and get more information out of him. It's a way of manipulation, and it ticks him off. She just drops this casual question now. Where, where do you mean to lead the spears to war once more? And she's referencing a prophecy and something he had brought up chapters and chapters ago. And it's still in her head. And now, you know, what do you plan to do, Rand? He reacts to the comment, but not the way she would want, because he doesn't answer her. Instead, he gets up. He says, you know what? I need to stretch my legs. And he leaves the tent.
0: That's a great answer,
1: Rand. Thanks for leaving. And that's the end of the chapter. So, Zach had something come up that he had to take care of. And as you watch or listen to this recording later, you're going to see him again at the very end, because... We did a spoiler room section uh, still about all of this, but he wasn't here for talking about the final chapter. So I'm just going to finish our last chapter to keep us on track and edit this all together later because of the magic of technology. But Zach is aware of what I'm talking about, and he's fine. He just, something came up. These things happen. I get to do the last chapter, and it's not a super long one, but it's pretty important. Chapter fifty. Our final chapter today is called Traps, picking up right as Rand exited the tents, irritated at Moraine's question. We're still in Rand's POV, and we see his regret that he can't fully trust Moraine. He realizes she could be an asset to him. She could really help him in many ways, but he can't ever know whether she's truly on his side Or trying to manipulate him for other purposes, especially on behalf of the White Tower and whatever agenda the Aes Sedai have in controlling the Dragon Reborn. So, oh dang it, he's out of luck. He can't have her too close. Not able to solve that problem with a woman, he thinks of a different one maybe he can do something about. Avienda. He had that idea, what if I get her a gift? And basically try to bribe her back into cheerfulness and goodwill. Because somehow he's screwed things up, she hates him, and it's only getting worse. So he decides to walk across through the camp, through the hold area, and go to the, the location that's known as the Roof of the Maidens. Now, most holds, maybe all holds, have a place like this. The Roof of the Maidens. It's kind of like the clubhouse. The private space for Maidens of the Spear. Rand goes there because he wants advice and guidance from these maidens for something. We'll find out more in just a moment. But when he gets to the roof of the maidens, he tries to enter to get some help to talk to people. And there's two maidens outside that are like, "Uh, Hey, no way, dude. You ain't doing that. You ain't coming in. Why? Men don't go in. This is a maidens-only Now, there is an exception. He sees Guy Shane coming in and out, both male and female. That doesn't matter. Uh, They seem to be different. You know, they're seen differently. But regular men, non-Guy Shane, they cannot come in. Well, he then tells these two that are guarding the entrance, sort of, what he's looking for, what his question is. And they agree to convey his question in. And pretty soon, here come maidens out to see Rand. Before you know it, all of the freaking maidens that were inside have come out to see Rand, to observe. Uh, Some of them are the ones he'd sent a message to, ones he had been traveling with or he knew from back in Tyr, uh, back at the attack on the stone. But others are just maidens who were already around here in Cold Rock's Hold. They're all here to see what's going to happen now. Okay, what is going to happen now? What is this about? Well... What he had asked is he'd explained he wanted to get give a gift to Avienda. And he was looking for their suggestions and guidance. What would make a good gift? Uh, he wants to b- make sure it's the right kind of gift. What would she appreciate? What would she value? And they love this. So quite a few of them bring things here. This would make a gift. This would be a great gift. What about this one? And they're all showing off these trinkets, these pieces of jewelry, these carvings, uh, different things that he could give her as a gift. After he reviews a lot of them, he finally settles on a wide ivory bracelet, very intricately carved with roses that a maiden named Adeline had brought forth. And he says, I think this one, that's the one. How much do you want for it? And she's like, and the smile disappears and all the maidens, they stop smiling. They go expressionless, and she says, "I will take no money for this," and just puts it in his hand. Okay, that's a little odd, but he doesn't know. Iu always, he does feel like somehow he just misstepped. but He has no idea what he did wrong, so he does ask, "Um, I'm, you know, I I want this to work. I want. I don't want to dishonor Avienda in any way. Is this going to be a problem?" And they're like, "No, no. This gift will certainly not dishonor Avienda." And then every maiden takes a moment to perform a ritual with him that again, he has no clue what's going on. They pour some tea and for each of them, the maiden takes a sip of the tea and says to him, remember honor. And then he sips his tea and he repeats, remember honor. And then the maiden kisses him lightly on both cheeks. And then the next one steps up. There's all these maidens out here and they all do this tea kissing ceremony. He doesn't know why, but he's smart enough to just play along. Does the whole ritual. This takes a long time. Because there's a lot of maidens. And by the end, he's not even sipping tea. The guy's bladder's gonna burst. He's just touching it to his lips. But when it all is said and done, they all go back in. He's got this bracelet he's gonna go try to find Avienda. And he does. And he finds her doing a chore. She's out beating carpets and rugs. Trying to beat all the dust out of them. And finding her, he gives her this bracelet. He says, I I have this gift for you. I I went and got a gift. It's in return for your teaching of me. Thank you. And she acts very dismissive of it. (laughs) What would I want a a bracelet for? Never one to wear jewelry. Rand notes. Well, you know, you're you're becoming a wise one. I see the wise ones wear bracelets and, and necklaces, chains all the time. So you certainly could wear this now. She's like, hmm, yeah, I guess you're right. Fine. Takes the bracelet, shoves her hand through like it's a manacle she's just chained herself with and she's staring at it. And he's like, um, I thought thought it would be okay. I mean, uh, Adeline said it would not touch your honor. And she even seemed to approve of it. And then he mentions the tea sipping ceremony and Avienda goes all cold. Colder than he'd ever seen her do before. And she explains what has happened. The maidens think he is trying to attract her attention, perhaps to, to marry, but certainly as a, a romantic uh, attention-seeking effort. And they have shown their approval. That's what that ceremony was. They approve of Rand pursuing Avienda and that Avienda and Rand would be a fine thing. And the ritual they did is what is normally done when somebody is trying to attract the attention of a Maiden of the Spear. So the fact that they did this for her, even though she's no longer a Maiden of the Spear, is honoring Avienda. They think so highly of her. Arand, he's like, Th- that's not what this was about. So I'm sorry, I- I'll fix this. I'll go back and talk to them and-, and tell them, you know, this was just some confusion and it's all my fault. And she's like, you will not do that. That would dishonor me. They gave your approval of this. And you're going to reject their approval? You will not be doing that, Randall Thor. This must be left as it is. We'll we'll figure this out. We'll deal with it. But you cannot totally humiliate and dishonor me by saying, "Uh, take back. I don't want her after all. (sighs) She softens a little bit at the end of this conversation as she just shaking her head to herself is like, you really know nothing. There's just so much. It's not your fault. You just you don't know these things. And then finally says, you know, and I'm sorry for how I treated you at, at dinner. That was that was not acceptable. I apologize. Now get out of here. I have to clean all these rugs, and I have to do it for as long as it takes to have them all dust-free, even if it takes me all night, and I'm not gonna get it done if you're still sitting here yapping with me. Now we can draw an inference there. Why does she have to clean all these rugs? She mistreated Rand horribly at dinner. The wise ones were there. They saw that. That was petty. That was immature. That was inappropriate. They expect better from her. They gave her a chore as basically punishment. She is an apprentice in training. If You don't act right. They're going to beat it out of you. But she doesn't say that. We can glean it. Returning then, Grand, returning to Leon's house... Uh, Amis and the other wise ones are there when he walks in. And she offers the show Rand to the room that's been set aside for him. And he thanks her. But he also takes a moment to ask about Avienda. Did you tell her to apologize about how things went at dinner? She's like, oh, she apologized? <laughs> no, 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 I, we did not. In fact, we would never force someone to apologize. Because that is no apology at all. Which I loved to read because exactly as a parent, uh, as a teacher for many years, I always thought it was stupid to tell a child, okay, now you need to apologize to it. No, you don't. I mean, you can teach the importance of apologizing, but you never make someone apologize. If they don't genuinely feel any sorrow, contrition, a reason to want to apologize, there is no point to it. Put your effort behind helping them realize the error of their ways. Don't force someone to apologize. So if you do that, stop it. Please, stop it. I love that the IEL have this right. Okay, that was a tangent, a rabbit hole. Let's get back on track. There were a few other wise ones there. So as Rand and Amis are talking about Avienda and stuff, they get sucked into the conversation. And we learn a few brief things here. Rand lets them know, you know, it's not going to work. Yes, I'm willing to have Avienda with me, but I know she's your spy. She's not going to get you what you want out of me. And they're like, "Um, you assume too much, Randall Thor. You do not know as much as you think you know about our intentions, our plans, uh, what Avienda's for. Also, if you think she's a spy, why do you allow her to stay by your side? I mean, we can't force her to be there with you. And his response, well... I'd rather have to deal with the spy I know about than wonder who else you might send instead. And they feel a little disrespected at his attitude here. And Malayne, one of them, loses her cool a bit and blurts out, it is more than just knowing what you're up to. The prophecy of the Karakarn says that through what you do, only a remnant of a remnant of the Aeol will be saved. What we want to do, Rand, is to get you to truly know your blood, that the Iel are your blood, so that you will have a desire to care enough to save as many as possible. Amis leads Rand away then, and he notes the other wise ones kind of staring daggers at Melane, because she apparently just opened her mouth and said, more than any of them believe Rand should have heard. As Rand arrives at his room, cleans up, Tries to catch some sleep, something is left nagging at him. The last thing Melane actually said before the others cut her off was she would make Rand know the aiel blood as his own, even if she had to lay the and that's all she could say. They stopped. Lay the what? That's what's in his mind now. Even if she had to lay the trap? Lay a trap? Whose trap? What trap? He's that's the only thing he can think of that would finish that sentence. And of course, that's why they stopped her from speaking. So as that's going on in his head, he drifts off to sleep and finds himself in a dream back in the two rivers, swimming in the Waterwood. And jumping in right on either side of him are Elaine and Min, smiling, happy to see him, and they're swimming together. Elaine's over on this side, Min's over on that side, it strikes him that I could go to Elaine or I could go to Min. Easily enough, I can't go to both, but which way do I go? Which way should I swim? And then he hears Avienda and sees her standing on the shore saying, you do not know who you love. And then he says, "Uh, come on in. I'll teach you to swim. And then another woman laughs from the opposite bank and Rand turns and he sees a naked woman standing on the other side. The most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he feels like he should know her. Well, and he does. We've seen this person before. Rand's seen this person before. But in this dream, it's not coming to him. This is totally Lanfear. She chides him for being unfaithful to her, even in his dreams. And should she allow that or should she punish him for such indiscretion? And then suddenly she's up close to him and entangling her limbs in his. And the other women are gone. And Rand's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he tries to pull away, but she won't let him go. She's holding tight. She says, I ought to mark you as mine. And and she nuzzles in at his neck and then freaking bites him. He's like, ow! And he's bleeding. But then a man appears and speaks disdainfully to Lanfear of these games she's playing, the risks she's taking. And Rand can see this guy, and oh, and he can see Lanfear there too, because suddenly, poof, she's not by him. She's up standing next to that guy, and now she's dressed in the traditional Lanfear garb, her white and silver outfit that we've seen many times. But he can't make out anything about this guy. It's like fuzzy, grayed out There's there's no way to discern who this is, just that it's male. And Rand observes them talking, and it's like he's not even there now. And again, he's chided Lanfear for taking risks, and she responds back, You are so afraid of risks. You're practically as bad as Mogideon, who of course we know is another Forsaken. And if I hadn't hauled you out of the hole you were hiding in, you'd still be there waiting for just scraps to fall your way instead of taking what could be yours. The man replies, I don't even know why I should be bothering associating with you. If you insist on the risks that you're taking here, I want more out of this deal. And then they're gone and runs away. So what can we discern from that? Well, it's Lanfear and somebody with her who can disguise himself. This most likely is also a Forsaken and has some sort of deal with Lanfear. And, and now is perhaps trying to renegotiate the deal a little bit. More to be discovered on that, I'm sure. But Rand, he's awake now, back in his sleeping area. Oh, goodness, it was just a dream. But then he touches his neck and it's wet. He's bleeding. He's like, oh, crap. That's where she bit me. And he realizes that wasn't just a dream. That was that place again where things that can happen in the dream are real. Which means I didn't just dream of Landfear. Landfear did that to me. She entered my dream or pulled me into her dream, or I, I don't know, but she was really there. Oh, that's not cool. Might she do that again? Have others already been doing that? But then he realizes there's someone else in the room. It just that sense dawns on him. Landfear followed him, and he lashes out with the power. And grabs whoever's there in bands of air and uses the power at the same time to turn all the lights on. Just whoosh, torches all light up. And it's not landfair. It's Avienda. And he has her like, ah, and she's like, I've been still really uncomfortable seeing you do this. You know, because he's touching sidine tainted sidine And she knows he can do it, but doesn't have to like it. And he releases her. He says, what are you doing here? Well, I was set here to guard you. If something happens, I don't know what I could really do about it. I only got a little dagger. But I was also guarding your dream. And Rand's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. She's like, yeah, this is something the wise ones told me to do. And they have been doing. It's believed others may try to get at you through your dreams. And so we've been set to guard them. I'm not supposed to tell you about this. So what you can kind of infer there is when he saw Avienda in the dream, and he saw she saw him with those two other women, that was maybe actually her, not him dreaming of her. She might have actually been there speaking to him. Oh crap, this is all getting messy and confusing. Before they talk much more about it though, Rand senses something wrong. He can he can feel something is not right. And he with Sidene creates his Sidene sword, Zzz, lightsaber appears. And he tells her, get behind me. And he walks out of the sleeping area. And he sees out there a tall man embracing one of the guys, Shane. It's actually one who had helped him earlier, brought him some water to clean himself and all. So he's seen her recently. But it's not a tall man. It's a Drakkar. Now, you remember, Drakkar are kind of shadow spawn. They fly. They're like a big old bat. uh, And they suck the life out of you. And he basically is in time to see him finish with this guy, Shane, who then just drops to the ground and it turns to Rand and it starts crooning. Now, if you remember, they sing hypnotically. This is the power of the Drakkar have. So it's turned its hypnotic song on Rand. It's coming for him as its next victim. But Rand is holding Sidene and we discover holding the power shields him from the impact of the crooning. And he simply goes up and kills the sucker. Yeah! Avienda goes right to the woman and and she's dead. She's clearly gone. And she's like, Rand, these things follow you everywhere. And then he shoots out a band of flame over her head because, oh, there was another one. Another Drakkar right behind them now that they'd walked right past and hadn't realized was there. And then he realizes he can hear flapping of wings. There's more. This is an attack. They raise the alarm. We are under attack. Shadow spawn, and it, well, it's a good thing he raises the alarm because you got Ruark and Matt and a bunch they're all coming out. And there's more than just Drakar, there's also Trollocs attacking. It's a whole attack on Cold Rock's Hold, and they get busy. We jump to one last POV here at the end of this chapter. This being Matt now, because we'd seen Matt was one of the ones who come out, he's got his Asharandai, he's ready to do his stuff, and he has. Played a good role. He's taken out a number of Trollocs himself. Uh, Rand killed more Drakar, but there were a lot of Trollocs to deal with. Matt impressed people with his fighting skill. And we see at this point, he's just pulling his spear out of one last Trolloc, and a maiden who's walking by stops and compliments him on the skill she saw. He dances the spear as well. And he doesn't mind that. I mean, Matt is always one who appreciates female attention. But she also comments on, clearly you must be like some battle leader. And he's like, oh, no, I've I've just read books. I've read a book. (laughs) He does seem really good at this stuff. We're getting more and more hints that somehow Matt knows how to fight, how to battle, understands all this sort of stuff in ways that's very impressive to those like the Aiel who are very familiar with fighting And Matt keeps dismissing how he actually has such knowledge. More to learn on that. At this point, Matt sees Rand, Moraine, Ruark, others all gathering together now. The battle's over. Moraine, she's desperately talking to Rand again. Please let me in. Take my advice. This sort of attack means you're in real danger. And they know, the Forsaken know, there are people desperately trying to stop you. You need my help. You need my counsel. And he gives her the chance. He says, all right, you've got those three oaths, so I know you cannot lie. I want you to swear on the three oaths that you will be 100% for me and for me alone. That you will not try to interfere with my plans, but will only support what I am doing. And you will not in any way try to manipulate me on behalf of the White Tower or its aims. And she tries to agree, but she uses her typical Aes Sedai double speak. And he's like, nope, that's not good enough. Crystal clear, absolute commitment, or no, we can't do this. And he walks off from her. But he doesn't leave everybody. He's just ending that conversation because we're going to talk about what just happened. And the group agrees. This was really one big attack planned specifically to get Rand. The D- Drakar were after Rand. The Trollocs were here to try to distract everyone else so they'd have a chance to get Rand. This means they're upping their game. We've already dealt with a Trolloc attack before. Now, Drakar came with a Trolloc attack and that failed. Likely as not, we're going to see Solus next. Solus, you remember those? We've seen them before. They're called the Grey Men. Okay, Those people who can just walk right past you and you don't even notice them because they have no soul. Uh, You won't notice until they're stabbing a dagger through your heart. Ruark shares, we have to protect you from this, Rand. And the maidens of the spear have volunteered to provide a, a bodyguard for you to be a shield against what may come at you. I don't know why they're willing to do that. But I would encourage you to take that up. I think they will do a better job of it than pretty much anyone else would. He agrees. He accepts it. Now, why are the maidens willing to do this? I mean, Avienda's over there going, oh, the maidens. And she's probably thinking because, you know, they've approved of this relationship thing. And now they want to help with that. But there could be more to that. Uh, The maidens do think pretty highly of Randall Thor. They maybe just want to take care of this person, Uh, son of a maiden, returned. Well, Rand asks if the Shido were attacked at the same time. Because last time, yes, the Shido were attacked by Trollocs. Not as big a group, but it happened concurrently. Ruark reveals, no, the Shido are gone. They actually packed up as the day was ending, and they left. And they've headed north toward al Dal. Rand's like, what? You didn't think to tell me? Okay, that's it. We're going. I am not about to let Kuladin and his Shido people have a month to spend out there amongst the others stirring up trouble before I even get on the scene. I know, I'm going to end up there before some of the other chiefs and clans then, and I'll have to deal with the repercussions, but we need to get to Al-Kharadal as soon as possible. So we leave it first light through arcs like that this this breaks custom this breaks tradition he's like that's what i do <laughs> that is how randolph or rolls end of chapter and that's actually the end of the episode so now we'll jump back into what we recorded earlier zach come on back let's do the spoiler room. so if you're a first-time reader this is where you get out thank you for being with us here today See ya. And now let me uh, run the spoiler room thingamabob. The spoiler room. And let's roll to see who gets to go first.
0: Uh, You know, anybody's guess at the moment. I got a six. I go first. What'd you have? A ten. Oh, yeah, you were right split in the middle. All right. What Spoil do I want to talk about? Honestly, I forget if we talked about this last time or not it's been a little while kylie's land fear oh yeah there's a reason that we keep talking about oh she's grotesquely o- overweight but she's so light on her feet it's like the only time that i know of where it's obviously shown that land fear puts on an ugly disguise Hmm. yeah so there you go there's there's plenty of hints and there'll be more to come and
1: even in the next chapter it becomes even more hints but uh yeah it, it's good stuff from my spoil i'm going to talk about the gleeman and again i, I don't i don't think we've revealed this yet so i'm going to point it out here this gleeman who thinks so highly of himself he's a forsaken too yeah, yeah this <laughs> in cool. disguise this is one we haven't actually met yet before we're going to later in this book and then he's going to be prominent prevalent for a couple more books as modian and he's here well in the next chapter we get to learn exactly why he's here landfear has arranged it she convinced him to come he said yes? a couple more
0: books he's only going to be around for
1: one more well i guess okay i use a couple too loosely <laughs> Anyways, he's here because Lanfear wanted him to be a part of this and has plans for him to end up helping Rand and guide and teach him. That's what we're going to get to. Uh, He doesn't entirely know what Lanfear has in mind yet, but he's also a Forsaken thinking, what can I get out of this arrangement? And and that's what's happening Mm -hmm. right now.
0: Is it reasonable to show a little sneak peek and say he's not just going off and performing when he goes to the Shido?
1: Yeah, totally not. This is where the amusement is in Kuladin's eyes because uh, Asmodian is helping. And we're going to have Kuladin propped up as a false dragon thanks to a Asmodian. Well, a false Karakar. Yes, yeah. They don't really care about the dragon. You're right. But it will be dragons. But, yep, anyways, okay. good spoil. That's our spoils. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. Let me go ahead and run our outro so we can uh, talk about all those things again, the usual ways to connect with us,
0: Yeah, and especially. Uh, if you're enjoying us, like and subscribe here. Uh, like it or comment or however, leave reviews. But most importantly, join our Discord. It's where yes. we can actually talk and interact. We've seen more people coming in lately. It's been really exciting. I can't always keep up with it.
1: And we would be honored for your support on our Patreon channel as well, which is where you can interact at even higher levels. So if that interests you, check it out. Alright, thanks for being here, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye!